It's incredible to look back over 22 years, if you take the time to pause and do it, and examine what God has done in your life. And, and I find that it's even more incredible if you go back and you start looking at pictures, if you start going back and looking at journals, things that you've jotted in your Bible, key moments and events that, that are kind of forgotten. But then when you pause and you remember how God had been working in certain times and instances in ways in your life, I mean, to look over the 22 years of what God has been doing here at Fellowship of Faith, but, but what God has been doing in each of you, and I promise you he has, He's been doing stuff, working in the lives of each of you. And to go back and see it, it gives such an incredible picture for the future. It's fantastic. It's just, um, I love this, how so much of what God's prophetic call in the Old Testament happens to be is this. It's one simple word. Remember. Remember. And I can't but hear Mufasa up in the sky like saying that to me, you know, through the voice of James Earl Jones, but, but it's remember. You know, God through the prophets going, remember. And I got to say it, remember who you are, all right? Remember what I've done. Remember those times, those moments, those instances when I've been at work because it is so easy to forget isn't it? Life has a tendency of throwing itself into fifth gear red line and you can't even keep your feet underneath you with the momentum that life tends to carry, let alone pause to remember. But when you do, you see there is a God and he is at work and he has not just been at work out there. He has been at work in me. I watched that video and there's two pictures that strike me because, you know, we're all into the selfies, right? We always look for ourselves. There's this early picture of Riverwood, 2002 or something like that, that was up there. And my daughter's sitting there square in the front row and she's two years old. And now she's a junior in college. There's another picture where I look at myself and I was 29 years old and I'm like, my gosh, I still had that much hair back then. You know, just, you know things like that. Going, it's like life goes fast, but God invites us to remember what he has done, but not for nostalgia's sake. What he has done is a model, a template, and a window for what he is going to do in the future. I love this passage from Jeremiah 29, 11. Some love to hate this passage, but I love this passage. I shared it with you last week. For I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you. God is not randomly finding himself falling into the situations of life unaware and unprepared. No, I know you and I am taking you somewhere. I know the plans that I have for you, for each of you. Think about this for a moment. Think about this. God has a plan for you. God knows the plan for you. And he's good plans to prosper you and not harm you. God is a God who delights in bringing blessing. 
Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. These words from Jeremiah are written to the people of Israel in a time of helplessness and hopelessness. A time when they're facing nothing but oppression and persecution and suffering. A time when they're facing abandonment and exile from their homeland. A time when they are seeing God as one who is judging them. And the sum total of their life is the rightful judgment of God upon them. And in the midst of this place of despair, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Don't forget, because judgment may last for a moment, but my blessing is here For in eternity, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God wants you to own that, to believe that, and to plant your feet in that. Make no mistake, a plan not to say that everything in life is going to work out just the way that you've planned. They're God's plans, not your plans. That the plan in life is not going to work out in every way that you've hoped because it's God's hope, not your hope. It isn't to say that life is going to be without pain, without suffering, without challenge and trial and testing. It isn't to say that life won't knock you down and step on your face in the mud. It isn't to say you won't even be called to suffer and and die for the kingdom of God. But God has got a plan that transcends even death. God has got a field of vision that goes beyond the here and now. And God is bringing us there. Through the valleys and over the mountains, God is at work bringing history to a culmination when all wrongs will be righted, when his good is manifest, when all things are are, are renewed. This taps into what Jesus talks about when he calls us to, to turn to him because the kingdom of God is upon us. And I want you to own this passage today. Would you do this? Would you stand up with me? You don't have to come up here with me, but would you stand up? <laughs> if you're at home, I invite you to stand up. If you're driving here today, elevate off your seat, all right? And put this on your lips with me. Let's say it once for familiarity. Ready? For I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Say it again. I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Own it in your gut now. Ready? I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now let's try something. I left my remote down there. Back me up one slide. Go back to the picture screen. They're giving you way too much memorizing time here. You ready? There's seriously someone over here lamenting out loud. What is that? That's awesome. Are you ready? For I know the plans. What does Moses tell the people of Israel when they're about to enter the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wasteland? He gives them the message of God. And he says, write it on your heart. 
inscribe it on your forehead. We have someone here in particular who's thinking about getting a little, like, little tram stamp down here of Jeremiah 29:11, <laughs> And we've got a fund to pay for it too. <laughs> Write it on your heart. Write it on your forehead. Is it okay to say tram stamp in church? <laughs> I just thought of that. I don't know. I love FOF. <laughs> it is now. Write it on the doorposts above, uh, above your walls. Talk to your children about it when you get up in the morning and when you tuck them in bed at night. Speak to the stranger on the roadway. Make it so involved, get so invested. Make it such a part of you that it is coming out your pores and people smell the stink of the word of God coming out of you. Ingest it. Take it into yourself and you can't think of many better places to start than this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares Yahweh. And by ingesting it regularly, every day, thinking about it, writing it, talking to others about it, it starts to get in you, and God's word has a way of taking hold of your heart in those times and transforming you in moments like that. Guys, you can have a seat. I think it's important that we say it the right way because Jeremiah was a southerner. He was from the kingdom of Judah to the south. He is a southerner, and that means he had a drawl. <laughs> Here's how I think he would say it today. For I know the plans I have for y'all, <laughs> declares Yahweh, plans to prosper y'all and not harm y'all. Plans to give y'all a hope and a future. We, we've got to say it that way, don't we? All right? Give, give me your best y'all. Uh, that was the most northern Midwestern y'all I think I've ever heard. All right? You ready? For I know the plans I have for y'all. Keep going. That was one miserable train wreck right there. Amen. Amen. Because the vision is not for you alone. The vision of God's future is so much bigger than you. God is not just looking to insert himself into your life to make your dreams come true. No, God is inviting you to put your dreams on an altar to Yahweh and say your dreams over my dreams, your vision over my vision, your future over my future, your good over my good. And what you'll find when you do that, as scary as that moment is, and make no mistake, it's a scary moment, that God's dreams are so much bigger and better than anything you can imagine. This is what faith is about. Daring to trust Yahweh, that not only what he says is true, but putting our life on the lines and living as though it is. And God says, I got a plan for y'all. I got a plan for y'all. I'm taking y'all somewhere. This kingdom of God seeking to manifest this kingdom of God in your midst and inviting you, each of you, 
to play a role in that, to be a part of something bigger and better than yourselves. This is what Jesus is tapping at when he's talking with his disciples. Let me tell you the story here. He's been teaching his disciples about the way of the cross. Do you understand what I mean by that? We, of course, know, or, or hopefully you know, and if you don't, that's okay. Come talk to me, and I'll tell you more. That Jesus, the, the, the goal of his life was to go into Jerusalem and to be nailed onto a cross, to give his life and spend it as a sacrifice to God, his literal, actual life, to die as a sacrifice to God. A sacrifice of obedience, a sacrifice of willingness, a sacrifice of love and devotion. And more than that, a sacrifice to affect God's plan. A channel, if you will, a conduit by which God would work to bring his salvation in to people like you and me. To bring his salvation and work his salvation plan here on this earth because of the sacrifice and service that he gave. And he's teaching his disciples about the way that this will go. This is not the way of prosperity, you would think, is it? You know, when you, you talk about God having a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future, most people, I would imagine, unless you're like just really goth and depressive here, all right, most people are not often going to think that that is going to culminate in a path towards suffering and death. But Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand that the mission God called him to and that he calls each of us to who seek to call on his name and follow him, at least in this lifetime, is ultimately a way of a cross. And they're just not getting it. You ever have a conversation with someone and they're just not getting it? You explain it differently. And they're just not getting it. You start diagramming, and they're just not getting it. You enlist someone else to try to explain it differently. They're just not getting it. You get the sock puppets out, and they're just not getting it. His disciples just weren't getting it. No sooner is he done kind of giving illustration and life example, again and again, they start arguing among themselves about who is going to be the greatest. Are you kidding me, people? It's got to be tough to be Jesus. Would you agree? <laughs> and I want to show you this verse. It's this line that he gives them, this, this, this just kind of corrective, as he's trying to kind of, you know, bring it home. It's like, guys, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And then talking about himself, he says, for the Son of Man did not come to be served. If anyone deserves to be served in this world, it's him. Would you agree? If anyone is worthy of being served, of exalted, of being lifted on high, of being carried around, of having his feet washed, of being catered to, it's Jesus. And he says, I didn't even come to be served. How much more are you? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because Jesus knew the hope and the future that God had pictured.
God was holding out there, hoping that his people would see. He knew it. And he knew the path to that picture was not through his own agenda, but giving his life over to something bigger in service to God. Knowing that God's dreams are bigger than our dreams and God's future is better than our future and God's picture of what can be so eclipses anything we could ever fathom or dream. For I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom of, for many. And we who follow Jesus or who seek to Really what we do is we try to do the same. To learn from him and his pattern and live in those same ways. And I've got no delusion that any of our lives will ever be as great and grand as Jesus. That what we will do through the course of our lives will ever amount to or accomplish as much as what Jesus did. And yet nonetheless we follow him. We copy him. We mirror him. We seek to live as he lived, captured by the same picture, by the same dream, by the same hope, and Yahweh who makes the same promise. I know the plans I have, plans to prosper y'all and not to harm you, plans to give y'all a hope and a future. It's what service in the kingdom is all about. God has big dreams. And he wants you to be a part of it. God has big dreams and he wants big people. There are some of you here who are so incredibly gifted. He has instilled in you such insight, ability, experience, that it's like you're at a level above the rest of humanity in this section, that it's it's, it's mind-blowing. God has gifted you in such incredible ways, and he wants those gifts. He wants that for service in his kingdom. God has blessed some of you materially. He has richly blessed you so much that you can save for the future. He has blessed you in ways that you have disposable income. He's blessed you that you can do things for entertainment. It doesn't really seem like much of a blessing until you start living around 90% of the rest of the world and you realize what a blessing it is. And he says, I need you, I want you. I want you giving of yourself, not just to your own dream, but to my dream. And what I'm holding out there, God has big dreams, and he needs big people. People with big capacity, people with big ability, people with big resources. But he needs big people in another way, too. Because as big and important as those things are, he needs people with big hearts. He needs people with big commitments. People who are willing to put their lives on the line. One of my favorite stories of the Bible is about Jesus and his disciples hanging at the back of the temple 
Watching people come to worship. You ever do that? You kind of hang in the back and you don't really come to worship that day. You're just kind of like people watching. And he's there and they're just kind of like watching people. And his disciples begin to comment on some of the big people. People who've been blessed in big ways, probably because they had big abilities or maybe big connections or big whatever it might be. And they're coming up and they're, they're giving big gifts, big sacrifices. And his disciples are watching and start commenting, Lord, look. Look at what they give. And then this, this old widow comes forward and I can only imagine I have this picture in my mind of this woman who, who would rather die than be noticed. Small of stature. I see her hunched over even a little bit. Wearing her hoodie to kind of protect herself so, so no one can really kind of see her. You know what I mean? Shielding herself from the world and comes up and has nothing. A couple pennies in her pocket. It's nothing, and she puts them in, and she walks away. And Jesus goes, do you see that woman? No, do you see her? The one in the ratty clothes, no, do you see her? The one that's hoping she can disappear, do you see her? The one that, 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 that people don't notice, do you see her? I tell you the truth, she gave more than all these other gave, and I'll tell you why. Because she gave everything she had. God wants people to put it all on the court. Whether blessed with little or blessed with much, what God wants people to do is pour themselves into his vision, his picture, his kingdom, to put it all on the court, whatever it might be, to let it all out there, whatever the future might be. Here it is. Here is my all. And God looked down that day and smiled on that widow. This is what God invites you to the picture God holds that he dares you to be mesmerized with of something beyond your wildest imagination of a hope and a future for what it might mean to be a part of a movement of God. And when you start getting practical about that, stepping down from just the vision from on high but trying to put meat on those bones, and dreaming of what that can be, oh, it's mesmerizing. You talk to the people, and I've been doing this, the people who started this church 22 years ago, of what their dreams happen to be for this fledgling movement called Fellowship of Faith. And the more that I talk to, the more I get this, this answer. I never dreamed We'd come to this place. What is the dream that God is holding out for you? That thing that is bigger, that he is inviting you to become a part of? Are you willing to put it all on the field? To leave it all on the court? You know, church has often been compared to a football game. 22 people on the field in desperate need of a break with 22,000 people in the stands, 
who need to get in the game. The kingdom of God is like that. You know, we've been sharing with you how we've been live streaming and moving to internet radio and things like that. I'm sharing this because it's part of our story. Not to puff up, not to, to elevate or anything like that, but because it's good to know. We got our numbers for July. Most things in church happen like this. You do it, it's great for like a week or two, people love it, and then it kind of like regresses. You know what I mean? I don't know what's happening. It's taken off. We got our numbers for July. Now 275,000 people are listening every single Sunday around the globe. The Wednesday pie. And, 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 and while I appreciate it and say thank you for that, I'm not saying that for applause or anything directed here because this is a group effort and it's something that we're all a part of. Who would ever dream that this little backwater church at 6120 Mason Hill Road would be reaching 275,000 people weekly, globally, and in persecuted areas of the world? I, I mean, it, it's beyond imagination of what God can do. And that's just a little piece of the totality of the work that God is involved in reaching people, connecting with people, rescuing people, bringing people hope and a future, a gospel vision of what's to come. But I wonder out of that 275,000, how many of us feel like we're in the stands Feel like we're in the stands on a receiving side of this when God is inviting us to get in the game. And for those of you sitting here at 6120 Mason Hill today, I'm not just talking about the people who are live streaming out there. It's true here. How many of us come and occupy these chairs Sunday after Sunday and you hear the call and you're even captured by the vision? But you're like, I just don't know how. Like, how do I get in the game. Because I know that God wants me in the game. But do you ever struggle with this? But what am I good at? Where am I needed? What could I do? What could the kingdom of God possibly benefit from me? Hear this. Everything. God has plans for you that so defy your small-minded view of yourself. And for those of you who are complete ego bags here, God has bigger pictures than you could even imagine in your overinflated sense of yourself too. Oh, he has plans in the future, but it's a plan through service, service to his kingdom, his dream before your dream and his way before your way, even if it's the way of the cross. And today, what I'd like to do is show you how to get in the game. Do you remember when I told you it's cell phone Sunday? If you've tucked it away or it's fallen asleep on you, I invite you to pull it out again. And I mean this sincerely. Like I say this stuff a lot and people like nod and they just kind of sit there. No, actually bring your phone out. There's something I want all of you to do. We've been working with the ministry and we've developed a tool here 
at Fellowship of Faith. And once you get it awake and get it open, I want you to go to the Fellowship of Faith homepage. It is fellowshipoffaith.org. Here's a snapshot of what it will look like, depending where you are in the motion capture. And we're going to see if we can crash our Wi-Fi here at FOF today. You know, we're gifted by being in a building. Um, you, you remember the movie Signs? It's an old Mel Gibson movie, right? right you know, remember when they're like wearing the tinfoil on the head to keep like the thoughts out and stuff like that? Our building is designed like a tinfoil hat. So if you're having trouble getting a cell phone signal in here today, believe me, you're not alone. But do your best or hop on FOF's public Wi-Fi. Let's see if we can crash the system. But do your best right now, even if it takes time, to go to our website, fellowshipoffaith.org. And you're going to see a card, if I can put it that way, up near the top of the screen that says, find your way to serve. You ever do like one of those BuzzFeed quizzes? Anyone here? Will you admit it? Can, can you just admit it for me today? Who's, who, come on, come on. We're all friends. Who's done a BuzzFeed quiz? Put them up high. You, like, like, what kind of Disney princess are you? Or what <laughs> house in Hogwarts would you belong to? Or like, if I was a vegetable, which one would it be? Or, you know, like every, like, you know those two to three minute quizzes you can take to kind of discover that kind of thing. We have got a two to three minute BuzzFeed quiz for you here today that, we'd invite, that we're going to invite you to take here momentarily to hopefully find your ways to serve, to find your interests, your talents, what God's been stirring in you, your view of yourself, and how that marries against Ways you can serve in this little pocket right here and through this little pocket right here to the globe at Fellowship of Faith. Now, if you haven't clicked that Start Here button yet, I was hoping that would tantalize you enough without me saying it, but click that button. And it's going to bring you to our Serve webpage. Now, you don't need to read this on the screenshot. You have it on your phone. It'll describe a little at the top about what's going on here. But what we want to do is help you discover your ways to serve. And you see the big red button at the bottom of the writing. You see the red, big red button? Yeah, you're not going to work with me here today on this. Do you see the big red button? All right. Click the big red button. And it'll bring you to a screen that looks like this, Fellowship of Faith Discovery Tool. It's going to ask you for your name, your best email contact, your best phone contact so that after you do this, if you'd like, we can send you the results or even get in touch with you if you'd prefer. And then you're going to see it's going to ask about 22 questions. And I encourage you, have fun with them. Don't overthink them. Don't overanalyze. If you think you're really good at something, admit it. Don't be falsely modest. Say so. If you're bad at something or don't like doing something, don't fake it because you feel bad. I, like, I can't tell you how many times I put on there. You know, likes to care for other people. No, I can't stand it. Bottom of the list, all right? Just own it. Own who you are. Take about two minutes. And when you're done, submit it. And I'm going to invite you up while they're doing that. Now, the good news to the cross-section of you 
without a phone here today. Maybe you're in your car and you shouldn't be doing this if you're driving, all right? Is you can hop on our website at any moment, fellowshipoffaith.org, and it's there to guide you in. Do this today. Do this today if you want to take a next step with God. And maybe discovering some new country of what he might be stirring and inviting you into in service of his kingdom. We don't care if you live here in McHenry. Maybe you're listening from South Korea today, from Egypt, from Wisconsin, Texas, Nebraska. If you're listening with us today, you're part of what God is doing right here. Engage in this here today. How's it going? We getting there? For those of you who are technologically unable, you're still getting used to Alexander Graham Bell's concept of the phone. (laughs) I'm looking at some of you right now. That you've dug in your heels, I hate technology, and I'll go to my grave before I look. Our elders are here to help you after the service. Stop by our welcome center. We've got the iPad set up there. They'll walk you through it step by step and show you how to do it in two to three minutes. How are we doing? Have we made it? We still working? A little more time. Who wants to hear Mike play some mad tunes in the back while we wait? Brooke wants to hear Mike. There he goes. Now take your time to fill it out. And again, if this has taken you more than five and it's not because of connectivity, you are way overthinking this, all right? But I encourage you to do a couple of things when you get to the end. Of course, submit it. Because it doesn't do you any good if you don't hit enter at the end, you know? And it'll bring you to a screen that looks something like this. Just a little table. Where it'll highlight top 10 out of about 50 ways you can serve through FOF. I think it's 42, actually. Out of 42 ways that you can serve, it'll highlight 10 that seems to kind of match your gifts and talents and abilities over against a certain outlet of serving in our community, in the world, here in the body, because I know this, each of you has a ministry to the body and each of you has a mission to the world. You do. God has it for you. Now, 10 bucks says, and I'll put money down on this, you're going to look at that top 10. And out of 10, two or three are really going to strike you. You're going to look at two or three and go, that is so me. You're going to look at the 10, list of the top 10. You're going to look at another two or three and you're going to laugh. Maybe not out loud. Some of you would. And you're going to laugh and you're going to know, you don't know me at all. Well, that's why there's seven others. But I want to challenge you here as well. The more people I've done this with who have looked at like five or six on this list and go, that's not really me. You don't know yourself as well as other people do. Because every time I've had it in discussion, other people are going, are you kidding me? That is so you. Allow this to challenge you. Allow it to challenge your conception of yourself. 
your current ideas about your desires, about possibilities you never really thought of. And you know, when you get there, click the button that says, email me my results so you can go home and think about it and pray about it. Spend some time laughing with your family about it. Hey, what you get? You know what I'd like you to do right now? Turn to someone around you. Ask them two or three that struck them. Maybe because it's, it's just so spot on or because it's comical. Share it with each other and see what happens out of that conversation. Mike's going to continue because he's the man. Go ahead and do that today. All right, I give you enough time. I'll take that as a collective yes. <laughs> Have fun with it. Allow yourself to be challenged by it, but allow it to, to open up a field, a vision. And I encourage you this. Oh, Mike, come on in. Killing me, man. We need you there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Follow up with it. Click the learn more buttons. And if you want to peruse the other things that are available, go to the website as well. You'll see all different kinds of things listed, but sometimes it's paralysis by options, isn't it? Now, click learn more, have a staff member reach out or do even one better. Click on learn more, learn about a job or two that interests you and reach out to that staff member personally. The email's right there on those Click Me PDFs. Because I'll tell you this, whether you're here for the first time at Fellowship of Faith or you've been coming 22 years, God isn't done with you yet. Whether you're old enough to just have a cell phone and an email and the ability to navigate the web, or you're 90 years old and you still draw breath, God is not done with you yet. Whether you think of yourself as the most talented human being that's ever graced humanity and our job should be to carry you around <laughs> or have the worst self-esteem of anyone who has ever existed, God is not finished with you yet. But he invites you to step out in faith. In faith towards a picture of something bigger than our own lives. A picture of a hope and a future that God wants you to be a part of, to spend your life in service to his kingdom.
And we want to let you know that we're here to help you navigate the way. So I want to invite you to rise. And we're going to sing. It's a song that really encapsulates how God has gifted us uniquely and individually. And how God has given each of us unique and individual opportunities. But that collectively, how God brings that together and us together as one. Serving each other to serve him in this kingdom. God calls it a body, like a human body. And that each of us are a part and play an important role in that body. That no single part of this this thing that God has given us is unimportant. That every piece, every system, every cell, every, every organ has a critical role to play. You are members of that body. Picture where God might take it.